I think it's because um, while the Bible verse has more than 2,000 scriptures on money, (laughs) it's not really talked about a lot in the church and not in a practical sense. So, you know, you go to these some, some prosperity churches, right? They'll talk about money, but they'll say, I believe someone in this room has $5,000. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the gist of what you hear about money. Or they'll just say things like, if you give this money, God will bless you, you know? And that's not how God talks about money. You know, God gives the parable of the talents where it talks, while, you know, the parable of the talents has a greater meaning about investing your uh, talents that God has given you, whether it's money, whether it's time, things like that. But money is still a part of that, you know, growing your money for the kingdom. The Bible, um, if we look at the Acts church, these people in the beginning of the church, they gave everything away. They sold stuff so that they sold everything and they were happy to do it to move the church forward. And uh, we don't really talk about that a lot in the church. I'm sure there's outliers, but we don't talk about like, has God called you to give money away if so how much how is god working with you in your philanthropic efforts and making kingdom impact um we don't talk about um when you do your uh, marriage counseling how much time do you spend on financial management is it just talking about oh you guys should have a joint bank account you know save for your kids college um or are you going through certain financial classes to really educate yourself on okay having a joint bank account what does that just mean checking how does our uh, retirement savings work together? How, okay, we save for our children's future. Should we be thinking, you know, college? Should we be giving them a brokerage? Um, do we need to establish a, a trust for our family? Because if we're really talking about passing down generational wealth, we need to really make sure we have the structures in place to do that. And so, um, yeah, so I think we, the churches are not talking about this. Um, churches are dealing with so much. So I, I'm not really a person that says, this is what's wrong with the church. That's what's wrong with the church. I think church, there's a lot of good churches out there, but I do think it's just simply because uh, we just don't have the, um, the, a lot of people just don't have the financial literacy. You know, pastors are struggling too out here. <laughs> you know, they don't have the literacy. Um, and, and there's so many other spiritual things to discuss that sometimes those specifics and practical uses of when it comes to finance are not um, touched on. Um, so yeah, those are a few reasons why I think that is. No, no, you're definitely right. You're definitely right about that. And I guess just to add on to that, you know, from my own research, you know, oftentimes people quote the scripture, um, I believe from, hope I'm quite right. I think it's first Timothy or first Timothy six ten. you know, for the love mm-hmm. of money is evil. Um, and I found that that's what makes people not want to buy money, you know, or, speak about money in general because you know you talk about money people think you're all you think about is money you don't care about god you know but when you look at history you know for christianity to keep going it needed money for it to continue to grow the bibles we need you know we needed money to print it out and things of that sort um so yeah just one thing on that scripture i think one important thing to point out is that scripture starts with tell the rich what does he say he says uh that scripture is directed to the rich okay so uh there's lots of non-rich people in our faith (laughs) that yeah i mean no one should be consumed by the love of money and a lot of poor people are consumed by that that's why we see people black people you know we tend to we have a history of you know buying the the uh, air jordans before we uh pay off our car right 
So it definitely applies to not yeah. that, but um, I think it's just important to note that that specific direction is for people who have a lot of money already and it's telling them to not um, make that their God. Um, and so when we're talking to people who don't have a lot of money, <laughs> but spend like they do, I think it's important to, um, I guess I don't want to say you should focus on all scripture, but you really got to come to the practical side of things with them and then bring that scripture in for context. Because if you start with that scripture, what happens sometimes is people become Christians and they're like giving money away to, you know, things that don't really make kingdom impact or or, you know, auntie so-and-so is struggling right now, even though she has been struggling forever, she can't get it together. She needs to, you know, get herself together. You start giving money. We just, we just start giving money away, especially in the black community. And we start doing things where it's enabling and not building. And um, so, yeah, I just, uh, that scripture is great. I, I definitely um, have meditated on that a lot. And it's, it's definitely applicable to everybody, but I think we have to be careful when we bring it in because people can just be like, I don't love money, so I'm not going to get any of it. And it's like, but we're also called to live quiet lives, you know, as, for those of us who can, we're meaning we shouldn't be asking people for things um, because we're not managing our resources. So yeah, I, I just wanted to touch on that. That's, that's, that's a great, great perspective, great perspective. And not even because, you know, you're speaking about charitable giving, you know, oftentimes when you hear about charity giving, it's usually using a tax purpose, you know, so how do you, how can you explain the benefit of, you know, giving to a charity or a charity would give on a consistent basis for tax, for taxes? Yeah, so uh, what the way taxes work is everybody gets something called a standard deduction. So just for being a human, you get a deduction on your taxes, okay? Um, and in the last few years, that standard deduction per person has been more than $12,000, okay? So just for existing, you get a deduction of $12,000 on your taxes, okay? If you wanna get more than that, you have to meet, you have to have expenses that qualify as itemized deductions, okay? Itemized deductions include a certain percentage of medical expenses. It includes uh, taxes you pay for real estate and some property related taxes. Uh, it includes, sometimes it includes like gambling losses, there's other things. And then there's charitable deductions, okay? Now, uh, so that's where the charitable deduction comes into play. If you give more than the standard deduction, or if the sum of all of those itemized deductions that I just talked about, plus a few others, if those exceed the standard deduction, which I said is more than $12,000, then you get to deduct those items on your taxes, okay? Uh, so that's where charitable giving comes into play. That means that if you have no other itemized deduction, if you don't own a house and have property taxes, if you don't have qualifying medical expenses, if you don't have anything else on that itemized deduction category, you would have to give more than $12,000 in a year to deduct those charitable contributions on your taxes. Uh, there is an exception for tax years 2020 and 2021, where you can deduct, um, I think it's $300 on your tax return, whether you itemize or not. Uh, but that's because of COVID. So I don't really talk about that. Um, uh, because it's not really going to stay moving forward unless IRS changes it. We'll see. Uh, so anyways, uh, yeah, so that's where the charitable deduction comes in. Um, with charitable deduction, there are limits. For example, 
normally, I say normally because COVID changed things, uh, but years after and before COVID, uh, if you give to a qualifying public charity, uh, churches are included in that, you can give up to 60, you can deduct up to 60% of your adjusted gross income. So uh, if you make $100,000, uh, if your adjusted gross income is $100,000, you could deduct 60,000 of that, okay? Uh, if, if you gave, say you gave $100,000, your AGI was $100,000, you could deduct 60,000 of that, okay? Um, most people don't have to worry about that. Most people aren't given, <laughs> you know, that much money. Yeah. Um, if you're wealthy, then you, you might be concerned about those kinds of limits. Um, of course, the limits change depending on where you give. So if you give to a qualifying public charity, the deduction limit is normally 60% of your adjusted gross income. Um, but there's certain other entities that if you give to them, it's only uh, up to 30% of your adjusted gross income. So again, you're going to want to make sure you know what kind of organization you're giving to. Um, and of course, make sure that they are qualified to, for your charitable deduction, um, because some of these organizations, for example, like Black Lives Matter, most of the chapters of that are set up as uh, uh, 501c4 entities, and 501c4 entities, um, can they're called social welfare organizations, but they can't receive tax-deductible donations. So if you're giving a whole bunch of money to Black Lives Matter, it's not deductible, assuming the chapter is organized as a 501c4. Uh, so yeah, um, that's that's it in a nutshell. Of course, I could teach a whole class on charitable deductions and all that, but that's it in a nutshell.